The Business Legal Club is a one-stop shop for your business legal needs. You do not need to join the Business Legal Club to benefit from free consultations with leading UK solicitors. You can also access pay-as-you-go online legal documents in HR, employment, debt and commercial law. Our Business Legal Club membership packages start from £50 per month and provide a 30-day money-back guarantee, savings on legal fees with leading solicitors, unlimited usage of in-house HR, employment, debt and commercial interactive documents, fully outsourced HR and employment law solutions with leading employment solicitors who provide a telephone support service, training, audits, documents and insurance to protect your business, plus savings in the Business Services Club. Our Business Legal Club solicitors have been cherry-picked due to their expertise and great value pricing. Our solicitors include national award winners and top 100 rated firms. When you need legal advice and support for your business, contact the Business Legal Club to receive a free consultation with our leading solicitors. For more information, visit thebusinesslegalclub.co.uk. Today, we are going to be discussing the biggest HR issues facing businesses going into 2020. And I am delighted to be joined by Michael McNally from Free Solicitors, who is making his debut on the show. This video does not constitute legal advice, and if you want legal advice, please get in touch with us so we can put you in touch with one of our leading solicitors, like Michael, to assist. Now that the housekeeping's out the way, Michael, can you tell us what some of the biggest issues facing businesses are in HR? Um, yeah, so what, what I was thinking, Sean, is what the biggest issues are will depend on what sector you're in, the size of business, what your objectives are, where you're at in the life cycle of the business. But what today I've done is chose five subjects that I think certainly one or two will be on everyone's list. So they are um, the general election, which is coming up as we, as we record, um, the issues around Brexit and immigration. There's some changes around how contractors are engaged, which is fairly complicated, but we'll go into um, briefly. There's changes in terms of the obligations around the written particulars of employment that employers must provide to all workers. And then I thought, finally, we could look at a fairly broad topic of, of culture and some issues around that. Fantastic. Well, let's get started with the general election. Now, when this video is released, um, we'll know the result. Um, we're not going to get into what results we all want. Um, but, Michael, can you tell us a bit more about how you think the election might affect businesses and HR professionals? Around the election, the, the, from an employment lawyer's point of view, the most exciting, and from a business's point of view, possibly the most scary element is if we had a Labour government or a Labour-led government, because... Labour have said that um, this is going to be the biggest um, rollout of um, workers' rights in history, and some of the changes that Labour are proposing are potentially huge. So, for example, there's the proposal of a real living wage of £10 for everyone 60 and over, the ability of employees to collectively own 10% of the company that they work for. There's certainly going to be greater powers for trade unions. There's a proposal that... There will be sectoral collective bargaining, so effectively different sectors will have sector-wide minimum in terms and conditions that all employers within that sector must um, comply with. And uh, another potentially big one is over 10 years labour aiming to get to an average working week of 32 hours, which is a four-day working week. Um, so 
certainly of Labour government, Labour-led government, some massive changes for, for employers. Even if it's not uh, a Labour um, in power, it'll be interesting to see which of these policies could potentially be picked up by other parties at future elections, which we've obviously seen happen in the past. Um, from my point of view, I've done a lot of uh, trade union work, advising employers on recognition, industrial action, and the issues around greater powers for trade unions, sectoral collective bargaining, that is potentially the biggest as I see it, because um, lots of employers won't have experience of working with trade unions. And in my experience, introducing employers to trade unions and developing that relationship is a big job and there's a lot of upheaval. So that I think is going to be, if any of that comes in, that will be the biggest impact on, on, on employers' business in the short and medium term. Building that rapport with the trade unions, making sure that everything's yeah, smooth. Exactly. And, and, and being a positive the, for all parties. Oh, that's where it should get to. But some of the, the initially some of it can obviously be resistance from an employer's point of view. Some of the laws and rights are quite complicated. But at the end, if you get to a good working relationship, it can be beneficial for both parties to have union involvement in my experience. I was interested by the working the working week stuff. I think people forget that we used to have a six day working week. Mm. That was the norm. Yeah. Um, it became five. There's obviously been huge headlines about potentially going down to four. Um, I think whether people like it or not, over the next five or ten years, businesses are going to change enormously. Yeah, um, AI is going to be one of the biggest things that's ever happened to a number of different industries. Technological advances too. When you think of things like driverless cars, um, haulage, fleet, mm. things like that. Yeah. Regretfully, I suppose, why would you employ human beings when you can have these vehicles go for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, without any human error potentially in there? So I think over the next five or 10 years, irrelevance of any reduction in, in the working week by a government, I think there's gonna be huge changes to various sectors. Um, Hopefully, obviously, lawyers will always be needed, eh, Michael? They'll always be lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to Brexit uh, and immigration, you can't avoid Brexit right now. Mm. But if you're a, uh, and obviously it's going to be sector specific too, but if you're a business owner, you're a HR professional, um, do you want to tell us a bit about how you think Brexit and immigration is going to have an impact and what should professionals be doing mm. right now? Um, so, I'm an employment lawyer, um, but Brexit is something, um, we've got a specialist team of Freed that do business immigration. Um, and it's certainly something I thought we should mention because obviously EU workers, there's a lot of EU nationals who work in the UK. They can work in the UK in the same way British nationals can. Um, but as a result of Brexit and the as of now, um, EU citizens have got to start applying for settled status if they intend to stay after Brexit and work here. So that's obligations around immigration that didn't exist exist before the Brexit issue came up. So employers are going to have to familiarise themselves with those obligations and make sure that they are compliant with those obligations. And on a more general issue around immigration, the Conservatives are saying that if they um, win power, that they will introduce a Australian-style points-based system. Now that, together with the, the, um, Brexit, could see uh, considerable impact on businesses, not just around their obligations, but also are there going to be enough workers coming into the country? Are the right workers going to be coming into the country? Recruitment. It's, uh, yeah, and anecdotally, I understand in certain industries that are already seeing the impact of, of um, we haven't Brexited yet, but Brexit being on the table and, and fewer people coming into certain industries. Um, what to do? The important thing is make sure you realise that if you were going to be employing um, EU nationals or nationals from outside of the EU, 
there are obligations upon you as a business. Those obligations are fairly onerous and the consequences of not following them are particularly serious. But if you take advice and you comply with those obligations, it can make for um, obviously a more diverse and better workforce. So the important thing is accept you have those obligations and put in place steps to ensure you're complying and continue to comply with your obligations. And um, just a, a brief plug, free to have a, a Brexit newsletter that, that people can sign up to, and that contains a lot of information. It's produced mainly by our Bre immigration team, and that contains a lot of information around Brexit and um, immigration changes that are in place and are coming about going forward. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point just to reinforce with the Business Legal Club. You don't have to be a member. If you want to get legal advice in any area, business, employment, HR, commercial, debt, whatever it may be, you get a free consultation. Um, of course, if you are a member of one of our uh, HR and employment packages, you get a discount on any legal fees. Um, and I'm very proud that one of our HR packages that you can select from involves Michael and Freeth, so you benefit from their expertise on that too. Um, consultants and off-pay working in the okay. private sector. Um, very common, very widespread. Mm. Um, I plead my ignorance. I was unaware of changes coming in, mm. I believe, in April 2020 about this. Um, Michael, would you, would you like to tell us a bit more about that and how that's going to impact upon people? Sure. Um, I'll keep it simple so I don't confuse myself, first of all, <laughs> and anyone watching. But um, off-payroll working is essentially when... Um, or what we're concerned about with these changes is when an individual is providing their services to a client via an intermediary. Now, to, to use a practical, a practical example, let's say Joe is a consultant and company A want to engage Joe as a consultant. Joe provides those services via his own personal service company, so Joe Limited. The company pays Joe Limited the fee and... Um, because it's been paid to a company, there are tax advantages in terms of it can be taxed at a corporation tax, Joe can take payment as dividends. So that's why this all came about. HMRC don't like that, particularly if they see it as a way of avoiding employment taxes. So if Joe is really, but for that company existing, a, a, an employee for tax purposes of that company, then what HMRC say is under what's called IR35 legislation as it is now, Joe's company has to pay taxes as though Joe is an employee, so employment taxes. Now, if Joe's in, if that's a genuine company that works for lots of different clients and is a business in its own right, these rules don't apply. It's just it's, it's taxed in the normal way. It's if effectively Joe would otherwise be an employee for tax purposes. Now, at the moment in that situation, the tax liability is the, Joe's company's liability. As of the 6th of April, any payments made by the client company um, to that to, to Joe's company, the employment tax liabilities will sit with that company. So that's potentially, some businesses engage a lot of consultants in this way, that's potentially a, an increased liability because they will now have to pay income tax and national insurance contributions that they weren't paying before. So that's a significant potential liability and it's also going to lead to um, clients and contractors having to change the way in which they work going forward. Now importantly, um, in terms of which companies, which client companies this applies to, under the new legislation, it's only um, medium and large companies. I won't go into what the definition of that is, um, but it's only at the moment what's classed as medium and large size companies. The other important thing to just note is that these changes are already in place in the public sector. Um, so 
the important thing I think is if you engage consultants or you are a consultant that works by an intermediary company, it's important to identify if these changes are going to apply to you. Um, if they do, understand what type of arrangements you've got in place and whether those arrangements need to be looked at as a result of these changes. Speak to your contractors because it's going to impact upon them and how they work. And look at your internal system. So does your, is your payroll going to be applicable and work with these new arrangements, your, your HR management systems, your onboarding systems? Um, so it's a potentially big change for these businesses that are affected by it. What I'd advise is it's important to get to grips with them now. Speak to your tax advisor, speak to your lawyer. Um, and we, I, we've actually got a free to, uh, guidance note that I'd be happy to circulate to anyone who'd be interested. Um, and it just sets out the basic principles, whether it's likely to apply to your business or not. Um, I'll do another plug then, sign up to our newsletter mm. and we'll make sure that we get you that guidance yep, note. No problem. Um, so obviously in business in the past, I've employed loads of people that I refer to on a personal basis. Mm. It might be um, Sarah at the website company, yep. as an example, mm. or it might be Peter, the social media guy. Um, when actually when the invoice comes in, it, it might be, as you just said, you know, it might be Peter Smith Limited mm. or whatever it mm. be. But I'm actually dealing with my web um, development, shall we say, via Peter directly, mm. yep. you know, mobile phone, email, so forth. Am I right in saying that if Peter is only working for me, in essence, in another parallel universe, he could literally just be in my office working as an employee. Mm. Potentially, you would be caught by these regulations. Whereas if Peter's web development company is working with however many other different businesses, mm. then he'll generally be a, a, a genuine consultant for the purpose of these actual regulations coming into place. Um, in a nutshell, yeah, because what it's looking at is, but for that company, would Peter be an employee of your company? It would only impact on your company if you're a medium or large um, company, and it's also worth looking actually at um, the gov.uk website because they've got a lot of information about these changes, but also they have um, some information around what legal tests would be applied to determine if Peter is an employee for tax purposes or not. So there's a lot of guidance on the government website that employers can tap into. Fantastic. Now, one of the items you mentioned, um, written terms mm. for all workers, and I think the key there is workers. You know, you didn't reference employees there. Um, it seems a bit crazy. And what, 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 2019 just finished and now we're still talking about written terms. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit more about the definition between workers and employees and what people need to do in order to fulfil written terms and particularly April 2020. Mm. Um, well, in simple terms, an employee um, is at one end of the scale. Someone who's in business on their own account and self-employed is at the other. A worker falls in between the two. So they're not quite as committed um, and connected to the business as an employee, but they're not in business on their own account. So typically that can be people who work casually on an as and when basis. They're often classed as workers as opposed to employees. And the changes that are coming about at the moment, there's an obligation to provide a written statement of particulars of employment to all employees within two months of them commencing, commencing employment. As of the 6th of April next year, there will be an obligation to provide those written particulars to all workers, so it broadens the scope. There will be an obligation to provide that information on day one or before day one of working, and there's additional information. So at the moment, things like job title, salary, are included in the written particulars of employment. That's going to expand to include things like an idea of how long the job's likely to be 
uh, to last for. Um, detail, details of any probationary periods um, and things like that. Now, a lot of contracts of employment will include this information, but as a result of this change, what every employer is going to have to do is look at what written statements they provide to workers and employees and ensure that they cover all of the various topics that the legislation requires them to include. And they'll also need to look at how they provide that because previously someone could come in and then a month or so later they could provide that written statement. Now it's got to be ready at least by day one of employment. So all employers are going to need to look at the method of providing it and what exactly they do provide to employers before next April. Fantastic. And um, I would say that if, if you employ, I'd say, 20 or less, I think the Business Legal Club, in terms of the internal resources we offer, there's a fantastic resource for you. Um, doesn't always work out this way. Some people might have under 20 employees and still want the added protection. Um, we have a HR and employment solution, um, like I referenced before, that involves Michael and Freets, which is... Um, offers a whole range of different products uh, and I couldn't recommend that more highly. So if you're looking at your employment and HR um, solutions internally, then definitely give the Business Legal Club a look. Um, and you may also benefit from Michael and Freed's expertise there also. Um, the fifth topic mm. you mentioned, um, something quite close to my heart, um, engagement mm. uh, and culture in business. Um, Tell us a bit more about your views on that, Michael, and what you think that HR professionals and employers should be looking at here. That's obviously a massive topic, and I'd assume this has probably been on, if we've done this list at any point in the last 100 years, it was probably <laughs> to some extent on there. Um, and I think the important thing is having a good culture then feeds into getting the right talent, yeah. um, ensuring the company is productive, um, all of those positive things. Um, and... Nowadays, what we see in the workforce is it's not enough just to pay good wages. Employers must have uh, flexible work and policies. They must offer a good work-life balance. Employees are concerned about, is my employer interested in the local community? Um, are they concerned about sustainability in the environment? Do they treat people in the right way? So culture is a, a massive, massive issue. Lots of work and parts involves lots of different parts of a business. Um, but from a HR point of view and from a legal point of view, there are things that I think can be done that feed in to a positive culture that will then bring about all those other benefits. I think for me, the, the starting point has always got to be you look at the structure you have in place, policies, contracts, um, how does HR and the business engage with employees? And that doesn't just mean, for example, creating lots of policies. Sometimes it means taking policies out and giving employees that responsibility, treating them as adults. Um, making sure that your policies are right, written in the right way that reflects the culture your business wants to create. And so that people understand them. <laughs> That's a massive one, yeah. There's lots of policies that people don't understand and that causes uh, tons of problems and it, it creates that barrier between the business and, and its people, which obviously are it's, it, the most important assets that any business has. Um, another important one from my point of view is training. And you can obviously give managers training on what unfair dismissal means, how our grievance policy should be run, but it's also helpful for managers to have training on things like difficult conversations. As an employment lawyer, you see one of the big issues is managers not dealing with things because they don't like confrontation, because they're nervous, because they're too close to the employee. So training on those soft skills is really beneficial. Sitting behind, um, on top of really good policies and, and structures. Then there's, there's two that are linked for me is 
listen to your employees, obviously, on what they want um, and how they want the business to, to work, but also listen to what's going on outside and how society is changing, what expectations are different, because there's no point in you being in a, in a, as a business in this little cocoon with policies that are, are 20 years old. An example would be around the internet and social media. 10 years ago, if there was a policy around them, it would be don't use them in work time. Now most businesses have policies that encourage you to use them in the right way for the business's benefit and your benefit. Um, and then following on from that is ACT, is that if you do listen to employees, don't listen to them and then do nothing. Actually do something about... Businesses would never do that. <laughs> um, but also act in the sense that doing the hard things. If someone's not performing, you've actually got to speak to them about it. Don't just sit there and wait until it's, it's too late and you want them out of the business. Actually act on, on these issues. And then finally, is sort of my advise clients a lot, is be human. We, a lot of us, I certainly love The Apprentice, but they've got the, this impression that in business it's all about walking over other people and backstabbing. But if you treat people with a bit of respect, you're polite to them, you treat them as, as fellow human beings, uh, you'd be amazed at how you can avoid problems and how you can create a much better culture. Um, and the, the number of times I've, I've seen cases that would have been never been before me have people just thought, how would I like to be treated? Uh, and for me, do those things, and from a HR employment law point of view, you are going to get towards the right type of culture. And if you're a business owner um, watching this, or if you're a HR professional needing leverage, because you've got to have the buy-in of the senior decision makers mm. or the business owner, depending on the size of the organisation, you know, it does impact on the bottom line. Mm. And Gallup have said that you get with high employee engagement, you get 20% higher sales, 67% lower employee turnover, 10% mm. higher customer ratings, increased profitability. Um, and being honest, it, 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 it's passionate for me because I've made huge mistakes in this area. Mm. Um, you know, I, I grew up business-wise and, and life-wise on the basis that it was an automatic thing that you work as hard as you can, work mm. crazy hours, yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gone into a law firm at 16 years of age, which was, um, which I won't name, but you know, if mistakes happened, you'd have files thrown across the room. <laughs> yeah, I've seen files bounce off walls. Mm. Um, uh, sort of a, a culture of fear, yeah. almost like a sort of Marco Pierre White restaurant from the 80s, mm. really. Um, and I think by the time I sort of got into senior management, you obviously want to be a lot softer than that. But I, th I think there's a lot of people in business who get to that stage that almost get frustrated mm. if you like mm. and they think that the biggest chokehold on their business is suppliers or it's the environment mm. or it's the um, sector government changes their employees i just can't get the staff um and i would I, certainly myself i made huge mistakes in this area um learned a lot and the biggest chokehold on that business was me and uh, and, and whoever the decision makers at the time were mm. um, and whoever the owners of the business were. And I think now, um, you know, you look at companies like Zappos and, and companies in America that have just got an amazing induction process, mm. uh, incredible training. Um, and in a way, it's a, like any environment, if the rules are clear at the start and yeah. you have the right culture in place, and, you know, I would cite Donna Scully as, as, and John Carpenter as two people have done this absolutely magnificently. They have a great corporate and social responsibility uh, programme in place. But, you know, you will know an interview whether they're going to fit your culture. Yeah. And they will also know, by the way, exactly. whether that's an environment to go into. And I think it's something that is worth investing the time in, no matter what you think whether you think you're brilliant at it or poor at it, it's well worth investing a bit of time um, to make sure that your engagement um, 
and the way that you interact with your employees and your business culture mm. is is as high and as optimum as it can be. Exactly. Um, if that's something that um, you feel you need outsourced help with, please get in touch with us. We have a lot of um, experts in the Business Services Club. We have people like Michael via the Business League Club that can help you with stuff like that if you want to outsource. Um, and Michael, thank you so much. Um, Thanks, I've really enjoyed the show. I think it's been fantastic. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed today's show also uh, on the biggest issues businesses are facing in HR. A reminder that via the Business Legal Club, you can access lead-in business solicitors for free and obtain no obligation quotes. Uh, you can also access legal documents and HR support. We've created two very different HR packages, which I'm confident will suit every business. The first is an internal HR solution, um, ideal for businesses, in my view, with 20 employees or less. All those documents are updated, so some of the changes were referenced in April 2020. You wouldn't have to worry about regulations and things changing from a document perspective. The second option is a bit more common in the market, um, which is a fully outsourced HR solution involving a telephone support line, training, insurance, documents and advice. The difference with this one is you've got top solicitors working for you. The pricing is very similar to what you get from HR consultants um, and you can get a free quote with absolutely no obligation by coming through the Business Legal Club. So have a look at businesslegalclub.co.uk. Remember to sign up to our free newsletter. Thank you and goodbye.